Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19, amen. The Bible says this, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, bush, bush, a broom bush, and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Let's pray together. And so, Father, we just thank you for your spirit and your presence that's here. And I love your word, Lord. Your word is powerful. It's anointed. It brings life. These stories that just seems like old stories have this way of coming to life and speaking to our own situations even today. So, Father, I just pray, forgive me of my sins. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. But let this word... Bring fruit for your glory. Let it change our eternal destinies as individuals and collectively as your people. Bind every work of the enemy, every preconceived idea. Let there be freedom to speak the word I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things I always pray before a service is always, before a sermon is, Lord, speak to me. Just a, just a small prayer, a whisper of prayer. Father, speak to me today because I want to hear a word from you. And I pray that that would be our prayer. I've got a couple of messages I want to uh, speak about entitled A Generational Gospel, kind of on the back of last week and um, a generation service that we had. Um, all throughout the Bible, we see that God is a generational God. Uh, the Bible tells us that God is the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. Um, Paul reminds Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of the faith that, it, that was in your grandmother and then in your mother and then now lives in you as well. Asaph says in Psalm 78, we'll, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his law to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to the children. It was a command. It wasn't a suggestion to pass the baton on to the next generation. So the next generation might know them even the children yet not born, which means if you pass this on to the next generation, they'll pass it on to the next generation and so on and so forth. And, and then the baton will be passed to you and to me today. And they in turn will teach their own children. This church exists today because of church fathers of our 
church mothers who pass the baton of faith from one generation to the next one and then to the next one. That's why this church is still here today. And we thank God for the grace that's upon this church. Can I hear an amen? amen. And thank God for what they have done, but it's our responsibility to pass the baton on to the next generation if this church is going to continue. There is a sense that every generation of youth is the same. Every generation struggles with exactly the same thing, same temptation, same issues, same, it's the three G's, girls, gold, glory. It's the three P's, uh, pleasure, possessions, power, pride. Uh, it's the same thing, same devil, different packaging. Every generation struggles with the same issues. Every generation has the same temptations. There's no, no different. I know we, 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 we say, and I'm about to contradict myself, but I know that you know, we think our generation was different. Or those of you that, oh, oh, no, our generation was different. Every generation thinks like that. But the reality is that every generation faces the same challenges. Amen. But I do want to say that there is a sense where this generation of young people is unique. Let me give you some interesting things this cohort of young people will never understand some good things some interesting things this generation will never understand what it's like to organize to meet with a friend for coffee and have no way to communicate once you've left the house you know what i mean this generation will never ever understand that this generation will never understand what it's like to get up to change the channel on your tv oh sorry the frustration of cassette tapes getting mangled. Come on, how many people remember the cassette tapes? Come on. <laughs> Having to wait for your favourite song to come on the radio and then push, push record. Come on. How many people used to do that? Admit it, admit it. It's when those Christian songs used to come on and you wanted to record them. I know. I know what you were doing. Taking pictures and then waiting for them to be developed to see if they turned out, you know. I mean, we take 24 shots in, in one thing. Do, 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 do. 24 shots was one reel, you know, sometimes 36. That's all you got. Wait two weeks. Oh, none of them turned out. I had my finger over there. And last one, this generation's never going to understand what it's like to play games like Street Fighter, Frogger, Space Invaders, Gallagher, and Pac-Man. Can I hear an Amen. In many ways, this generation of young people is no different to previous generations. Same generation, same. But in other ways, this generation of young people is unique. This generation has to navigate the internet, social media, globalization, the information revolution, the speed at which we live, the speed at which information is doubling itself is astronomical. I, can't, I don't understand. How much thinner can a television get? Really, how much thinner can it get? Um... What's next? What else is around the corner? And, they, and trust me, they're dreaming, they're thinking what else is around the corner. Some people have written off this generation as narcissistic, selfish, entitled, lazy, self-absorbed. And I hear some parents going, amen, amen. <laughs> but I believe this generation not only has some unique challenges, it has some unique opportunities. This generation could see the return of the Lord. This generation could see the greatest revival we have ever seen in history. Peter says in Acts, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. I believe the enemy knows how powerful this generation can be. And he is targeting this generation like no other. He is seeking to immobilize, disempower, cripple, paralyze this generation like never before. I've entitled this message, um, an Elijah generation. 
But the other title I was thinking of calling it was Fight for Our Youth. Fight for Our Youth. The battle for the heart and soul of this generation is real, it is spiritual, and it is relentless. But we have nothing to fear. Because as John says, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who was from the beginning. I'm writing to you, older generations, because you know who was from the beginning. Um, And I'm writing to you, young people, because you have overcome the evil one. And that gives hope to all of us. To help us understand this thought, I want us to look at a familiar story in the Bible. It's the story of Elijah uh, on Mount Carmel battling the prophets of Baal. I want to take some principles out of the story that I pray will speak to. I, I, I pray it's kind of directed to the young people today. And if you're, you know, under 60, then you're young. You know, that's what I'm speaking to. No, I'm only joking. Uh, I'm speaking to the younger people today. But, but, but these principles apply to all of us because we are all part of this generation. We, we, are, we are all part of what is happening in this generation. Elijah was one of the great men that was used by God. Think of some of the miracles that he did. He prayed for the rain to stop and it stopped. He prayed that the rain would start again and it did. He prayed and fire fell down from heaven and consumed a sacrifice. He prayed and the widow's oil and flour never ran out. He raised the child back to life. He was an amazing man of God. Just an incredible man of God. A man that was used by God in such a powerful way. Yet in one very little situation, we see this man of God completely undone. We, we see this man of God on a, on a slippery, slippery side slide going backwards. Story of when Elijah sets up this contest on Mount Carmel between God and Baal. You know the story, they set up an altar. They want to see which God will burn the sacrifice. Uh, the prophets of Baal go first screaming uh, and nothing happens. Prophets of Baal all day, whatever, they're screaming, cutting themselves, doing all sorts of crazy things. Nothing happens. Elijah prays a short prayer. Fire falls from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And all the prophets of Baal were defeated and killed. Then Jezebel finds out. Not a great name to name a daughter, all right? But Jezebel finds out. And she's not happy. And the Bible says, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, it was a text, and say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And when Elijah finds out about this, notice how quickly he weakens. He runs for his life. He's alone in the desert. He's tired. He's depressed. And he's praying that he would die. It's just incredible to think about what happened to this great man of God. This man of God that has seen God do some amazing things, powerful things. He's just seen God intervene in an incredible way. Then one word from Jezebel, one word from her that he hears. He he doesn't even hear directly. It was secondhand. He hears one word and the next minute he's running for his life alone in the desert tired, he's he's depressed, praying that he would die. I believe that in these last days that God is raising an Elijah generation. That's the spirit of this message. I believe that in these last days, God is raising an Elijah generation. Young people, you could be that Elijah generation. And I want us to see Jezebel as representing the enemy who is seeking to stop this generation. 
I, I want us to see Jezebel who understands the power of, of the Elijah generation. And I want us to see her as representing the enemy who's trying to stop this generation be, from being everything God has entitled it to be. And by the way, these four things apply to, every, to all of us that are here today because we're part of this generation. And there are four specific ways the enemy is seeking to immobilize this generation. Let's look at these uh, more closely. First way, first way that the enemy is seeking to immobilize this generation, you can write this down in your notes, is through immorality. When Elijah called the prophets for the prophets of Baal, notice, notice what it says. It says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Jezebel worshipped Baal and Baal was the god of fertility. The worship of Baal involved immorality. There were prostitutes at the temple involved in worship. It was just part of how they expressed their worship. Its worship was filled with immorality and sexual promiscuity and child sacrifice. These guys were not good. Ashra worship was no different. It was a bizarre mixture of idolatry and perverted sexuality. One of the ways this generation is being threatened and attacked is through immorality. This generation is being exposed to more pornography, sexual images, more sexual freedom at a younger age than any generation before it. And it's all condoned by the government and the education system. We have a world system that is condoning it and encouraging it. Dr. Linda Papa says, while sexualized images have featured in advertising and communications since mass media first emerged, what we are seeing now is an unprecedented rise in both the volume and the extent to which these images are impinging on everyday life. How true that is. And in case you think this is just an issue for the youth, Steve Buildup says this, it's not just the young. Porn use is very high among adult men, including married men. It's possible that porn is filling a gap in our closeness and lovingness generally. We live in a society that is often too rushed for affection, for attunement between husband and wife or parent and child. We are a cold culture. Consumer goods and food have replaced intimacy in our lives. How true that is. Now, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time here because I think we understand that this is a reality in our culture. If you're not, just, just watch television. I, I grew up in a time where, you know, this was back in the, oh, I'm not going to tell you, but anyway, it was the 70s and people, oh, the television is bad. We didn't have a television until I was in year five. That makes me, makes me uh, 10 years old. 10 years old before we had a television, because the television was bad. Let me tell you, the television was amazing back then compared to what it is today. How bad has television become? I don't have to mention some of the shows that are on TV right now. Married at first sight, someone told me to say it. Back in the old days, they used to send a letter. You know, this is a photo. Do you want to marry me? Yeah, you married at first sight. That's what I look like. <laughs> Not this rubbish that's on television today. Come on. It's garbage. And it's poisoning the minds of this generation. 
And the consequences, well, you, you, you think about the consequences. I don't have to go there. How do we become an, an Elijah generation in a world that is saturated with immorality? Paul says, listen, young people, I'm speaking to you uh, especially, but I want to speak to everyone. Paul says to the Corinthian church, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. There's just something profound about how this marks our lives and our heart and our soul. Paul is saying, run from it. Don't go anywhere near it. You don't resist temptation. You flee from it. You run from it. When Joseph was being tempted by Pharaoh's wife, he didn't start to, in the name of Jesus, he didn't start rebuking the devil. He didn't try and reason with her. He didn't start praying. He ran for his life. Paul says to Timothy, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue right standing with God. Run away from this stuff. The temptation is incredible, but run away from it because it's going to damage your soul. It's going to damage your spirit. I love what Paul says to the Thessalonians. He says, abstain from all appearances of evil. Abstain from every appearance of evil. What does that mean? It means be careful where you go. Be careful what you do. Be careful where you spend your time, the music you listen to. People say, well, here he goes again. Here he goes, beating his little drum. <laughs> beating a you know what? No more beating. I'm sick of it. Do whatever you want. But listen, you cannot expect to have the anointing of Elijah while you're flirting with Baal. Get a vision of what it means to be an Elijah. You know, one of the things about this generation, our generation, we were a lot more obedient. <clears throat> Much more obedient. Our, 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 our seniors would say, don't do this, and we just did it. We didn't do it. Well, sort of. We, we didn't do most of it. But we were just told, do this, this, and this, and that's what kind. We were a bit more obedient. This generation, this generation needs to understand why. Not, not just tell, don't just tell me what to do, and don't just tell me what not to do. Explain to me why. So why should we avoid all of this? Why does the Word of God tell us to avoid this? Because we want to become an Elijah generation. Get a picture of what it means to be an Elijah. Get a, get a picture of what it means to have the anointing of God upon your life, the Spirit of God upon your life, where you do things that are going to be amazing, where God is going to use you in a powerful way. If you get a clearer picture of what it means to be an Elijah, this stuff you're going to say, oh, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Yeah. D.L. Moody said, this world has yet to see what a fully consecrated man can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. This world is, come on, maybe it could be your generation. Maybe we could see it in your generation. Come on, let's stand up. Let's, let's just not conform to everything that's happening around us. Let's stand up and say, come on, we're going to be the Daniel generation. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be the Elijah generation by the grace of God in the name of Jesus. Man, there's nothing greater that you can give yourself to than to be used by God in a powerful way. Nothing greater that you can give your life to than to say, God, you've created me for such a time as this. I'm not here by accident. You have a purpose for my life. There's no, no greater life that you can live than to step into what God has created you to do and be. Amen. Second way the enemy is seeking to attack this generation is through fear and anxiety. When Elijah was told that Jezebel wanted to kill him, the Bible says Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. According to the National Institute of Health, nearly one in three of all adolescents aged 13 to 18 will experience an anxiety disorder. 
Those statistics are alarming. One in three, count them out. One, two, well, the next one's going to experience this. And I think it's getting worse. In fact, the, the author said these numbers have been rising steadily. Here's Elijah. He's just called down fire from heaven. He's defeated the prophet, but mighty victory is incredible. What this guy has just done. Then one word from Jezebel, and he's on the run with fear. Fear is a weapon of the enemy. Fear is one of the weapons that the enemy uses. Anxiety is one of the weapons the enemy uses to immobilize. Fear is a weapon the enemy uses to paralyze us. And nowhere is the enemy using this weapon more than with this generation of young people. And by the way, with adults as well. Can I hear just a little amen? amen. Social media has created these unrealistic expectations that cannot be met. Simon Sinek says, we are good at putting filters on things. We are good at showing people that life is amazing even though we're depressed. In fact, one in three girls under the age of 13 will put a filter on their photographs to change how they appear on social media. We live in a generation that has believed that I need to be successful. I need to be beautiful. I need to be skinny. I need to be perfect. I need to be perfect. Anything less than perfect would just not do. I've got to be perfect. Competing with a world which is just one click away is incredibly overwhelming. It's affecting every age group. Eva would agree to that. I'm not saying anything you hear, mine. We, we are addicted to those phones. And, I, and I, I believe very strong. A lot of research is already coming out, and I think more, there's going to be more and more research coming out that, that shows how damaging this can be. It's just, it's the click, it's the click, it's the click. It just, it's staring at this thing all day. And, and, and I, I think we're going to see more of them. Just, just think about how, um, you know, how just this little, little, little app that just, or this little game, this little website called Wordle has changed our lives in a few weeks. Come on. Started playing Wordle a few weeks ago. I have an addictive personality, so immediately I'm on, I'm on. I mean, it's it, I'm in, I'm in. How many people are doing Wordle? Just give me a, a few of you intelligent ones. Okay, that's good. Uh, doing, doing Wordle immediately, and I'm, I'm on. I'm switched on. I'm starting to go back to the old ones. I'm looking for strategies, for schemes. It's just the way my personality is. It kind of locks into something, and then I'm going. And then within two days, I'm feeling it. This is a couple of weeks ago. I'm feeling it, and I said, that's it, I'm out. I'm out, I'm out, I'm not doing this anymore. And you know, I haven't, I haven't played the game for, for, for quite a while um, because, because I think Wordle can cause ulcers, you know, is one of my concerns, it can cause ulcers. It can be ultra addictive and it's robbing me of a lot of time. It's gonna help someone today in Jesus' name. Come on, the, the, the phone is, is, is it, if, you, if, you just, if you just think it's, it's doing nothing, it's affecting us at many levels. If we're going to be an Elijah generation, we need to be smart. We need to recognize the enemy's strategy and rather than be a victim, we need to take responsibility for what we do and how we behave. We need to be one step ahead. We need to understand that this is one of the strategies of the enemy and we need to be one step ahead. The problem is not the phone, it's how we use the phone. 
Every generation has its had at its own version of, of the phone. For us, it was the television. The television is not, the, get rid of the television. That's going to, no, that doesn't solve the problem. Television isn't the problem, it's how you use it. And it's the same with the phone. Paul said to Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. We need to understand that anxiety is a strategy the enemy is using to immobilize. It's a spirit of fear. It's a strategy of the enemy to immobilize us. But the antidote is a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And every day we need to say to ourselves, I say to myself, Lord, I thank you for a spirit of power. I thank you for a spirit of love. I thank you for a sound mind in the name of Jesus. Sound mind is about changing the way that we think. Fear is false evidence appearing real. It's a lot of the fears and anxieties we experience, it's in the mind. And Paul says to Timothy, who I believe was experiencing some anxiety, he says, but God has given us a power, love, and a sound mind. A spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And, and the, one, the, one that, the one, the one that, got me, that gets me most times is the one about love, where it's an understanding that God is greater and bigger than me and he loves me and, and he's protecting me. Fear is about something bad is going to happen to you. No, God is greater. God, God loves me and he's going he's to see me through by his grace and for his glory. If we're to tackle the anxiety, we, we, we need to tackle at the physical level and we need to learn to rest. We need to learn to rest. It's not physical. Pastor Joe, they sleep in all day. I don't know what you're talking about. They don't need more rest. It's not physical rest. It's mental rest. We need to rest our brains, our minds. We need to challenge how we think. We need to rebuke this obsession with being perfect and successful. And we need to tackle anxiety at the spiritual level by rebuking the enemy. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding shall guard your heart and your mind. Don't worry, pray. Learn to pray. Use the anxiety for your good. The enemy is using anxiety to destroy you. Use it for good. Every time you feel anxious, take it as an cue, as an opportunity to go into the presence of God and draw nearer to God. The third way this generation is being immobilized is through loneliness. The Bible says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Here was Elijah. Now watch the progression. He's afraid. Now he's on the run. He's alone. One of the ways the enemy is immobilizing this generation is through isolation and loneliness. The way the wolf kills the sheep is by separating it from the rest of the sheep. It becomes easier prey. And this generation craves friendship more than any other generation before it. If there's one thing this generation craves more than anything else, it's friendship. But they don't have the skills, the patience, the courage to do the work required to build meaningful relationships. If we're going to be an Elijah generation, we need to understand loneliness is a weapon of the enemy. Loneliness and isolation are weapons of the enemy to, to, uh, to come against us. 
Because when we're alone, all we're left with is our thinking and our mind. And how many people know that when we're alone, our mind can spiral into darkness? We need to rebuke the thought that says, no one likes me. No one cares about me. Look, everyone else has friends. Everyone else has families but me. They're all tricks of the enemy to isolate you. We need to understand the power of connection. We need to understand the power of, 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 of relationships. Take responsibility for developing friendships. I don't know about you, but, but ev everything that's good in my life takes work to do. Every, everything good never comes easy. It takes a lot of work. Can I hear an amen? amen. Exercise takes a lot of work. Losing weight takes a lot of work in the name of Jesus by the grace of God. And making friendships and, and deep, meaningful friendships takes work. We need to be intentional about making friends. We need to do the work to build friendships. We need to resolve conflict. Don't be afraid of conflict. Conflict is the door that leads you into intimacy. And don't text. Talk face to face. Can I hear an amen? amen. The Bible says, the early church, they devoted themselves to, among other things, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Life groups have kicked off this year. I, 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 I love life groups. I think life groups are powerful. And, and, and I want to encourage you, get it, get it. Be part of a life group. The Bible says the early church, they devoted themselves to, to prayer, to the study of the word, to, to breaking bread. And they devoted themselves to fellowship because they understood the power of doing church and life together. God says, the Bible says, God sets the lonely in families. And that's where the church comes in. We need to stay connected to the church. Get involved. Attend a life group. Be planted in the house of God. I've never known anyone to be used by God in a powerful way that has disconnected themselves from the local church. Psalm 92 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the... There's something about being planted in the house of God that enables us to flourish in life. If we're going to be an Elijah generation, get connected. Come on, church, take responsibility. Pastor Joe, I don't have any friends. Well, you keep searching, you keep, that last one hurt me. And they, and they, and, and, you know, they, they, they did some things that upset me. And act. Welcome to the real world because you've never upset anyone, have you? You're the perfect one in the whole world. We all, that's what we do in life. We upset people and people upset us. But the difference is some of us work through those things and, and other people don't. And it takes work. It takes a lot of work. But let me tell you, it's worth it. I, I believe friends are a gift from God. I, I, be, I believe that, that, that I thank God for some of the relationships in my own life where God has placed and, 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 and intersected my life with certain people. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those people. People say, I just don't have anyone around me. You just don't have anyone. I, I, don't, I don't believe that at all. I, 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 believe, I believe that God brings people in our path, but maybe the person that God brought in your path, you didn't like what they said and you flicked them off. Mm, and they were a little bit nasty to me. You know, they, did, they didn't say it with love, you know. 
No, you didn't like what they said to you. You didn't like the truth. Truth is always confrontational. Can I hear an amen? amen. I don't like hearing truth from anyone. <laughs> Keep it to yourself, you know. But how many people know that truth leads to freedom? You shall know the truth and it will set you free. And if you have an ear for it, you will actually welcome it in your life. And, you know, relationships take time and friendships, you know, I, I get it. It's complicated. It's difficult, but it's worth it in the end. Timothy Keller said this. He says, you get knowledge in a classroom. You get wisdom in a community. You get, you get knowledge in a classroom, but the way you get wisdom is not by reading a book. You get wisdom in a community. It's the community that passes wisdom on to the next generation. Final way the enemy is seeking to attack this generation is through depression and suicide. Bible says about Elijah came to a broom, a broom bush. Now just think how low this guy's getting. Sat down under it, prayed that he might die. Are you serious? This is one or two days after fire from heaven. He's praying that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah is very clearly depressed. He's in despair. And he's praying that God will take his life. How does the enemy immobilize this generation? By convincing them that there is no hope. There is no way out. No one can help you. No one cares. You might as well just give up and die. Did you know that suicide is the leading cause of death for Australians between the ages of 15 and 44? That's alarming. That's alarming. How do we become an Elijah generation? We need to understand that one of the weapons the enemy uses against us is depression. When that thought comes into our mind, we need to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Jeremiah said, yet this, uh, he's depressed, he's down. The more I thought about how bad the situation is, the worse I got. And then he says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. It's because of the Lord's great love. We're not consumed, his compassions never fail. Then you, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The battle for depression is a battle in the mind and we need to challenge the thinking with thoughts that are in keeping with the truth in God's word by his grace and for his glory. And I don't want to minimize this stuff, by the way. I don't want to minimize anxiety. I don't want to just brush it. I don't want to sound like, it's, well, that's just easy. Just deal with it. Or depression. Yeah, that's, that's nothing. Just deal with it. Just change a thought and it's all, it's all better. It's a lot more difficult than that especially when you're in that place. And ultimately, it's the grace of God that gets us out. Can I hear an amen? It's the grace of God that enables us to see the light in the darkness. It's the grace of God that enables us to just work through all of that darkness. We need to take responsibility, understand that it's a weapon of the enemy. And take responsibility for working through that. If that means talking to someone, then talk to someone. Don't, don't stay isolated. It's only going to get worse. If that means seeing a doctor, then see a doctor. Let's not become a victim of the enemy's strategies. Let's be one step ahead in the name of Jesus Christ, by his grace and for his glory. So how's the enemy immobilizing this generation? Through immorality, anxiety, loneliness, and depression. 
You may not see the worth that the, in your life, but the enemy does. And the enemy knows that this generation of young people could be an Elijah generation. That we as a generation could be an Elijah generation. A generation that sees a move of God, power of God manifest. Maybe the return of Christ. In our, wouldn't it be great? It's one Sunday morning in the name of we're worshiping and taken up into glory in Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And he will do everything he can to render this generation ineffective. How can we make sure we don't become prey to the enemy? Story continues. An angel appears to Elijah who feeds him and then he rests. I just love this story. I love this story because the angel appears. Uh, you know, Elijah's, he's on his own. He's, he's afraid. He's depressed. He wants to die. An angel appears to him. And what does the angel do? He cooks him a little pizza and he gives it to him. <laughs> Bit of salami and mozzarella and gives it to him. If I was the angel, I would have said, Elijah, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with your head? The problem is this wasn't a spiritual issue. Elijah was tired. He was exhausted. And, and, and I believe that one of, the, one of the ways the enemy is attacking our generation, both young and old, is by, is by, is by tiredness. We're, ex, we're an exhausted generation. We're running, 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 running on this trip. Where are we running to? Where are we going? One, 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 one person said one time, he said, you know, we're, we're running, we're looking for a box. We're looking for the right box. You know, all of our life, we're looking for the right box. Oh, no, this is not the right box. No, the, the other, the, I'm looking for this other box. And, and, and all of our life, we work hard because we want to get the better box and the bigger one and the nicer one. And, the, and, oh, that's the better one. We spend our life until one day, until one day, we find the right box. <laughs> it's the perfect box. It's just the right size. That was philosopher Seinfeld, by the way. <laughs> I think there's a bit of wisdom there. We're running. We're tired. We're a tired. We're a tired. We're a tired, exhausted generation. And I believe it's a strategy of the enemy. It's a strategy of the enemy. How can we make sure we don't become prey to the enemy? Story continues. Angel appears. He feeds Elijah and then tells him to rest. Then he gets up, feeds him again, and then tells him to rest. And then the Bible says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. Listen carefully to these words. And the word of the Lord came to him. Key to resisting every work of the enemy and abused by God in a powerful way. It's pretty simple, but it's to press into God, to be close to God, and to learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. I don't mean just come to church on Sunday. It means daily spending time with the Lord, being conscious of his presence. Because if you do, you will sense, because if you do, if you do, if you learn to press into God, if you learn to get closer to God, when you're going in the wrong direction, you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, hey, 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 you need to be on this side. Don't go there. When you get an invitation to that party that you know is going to be a little bit questioned, you're going to, you're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that's going to say, I don't think you should go there. I don't think it's a good idea. If you're, if, if you, if you're close to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to protect you from making dumb decisions. You know, we're all, we're all one dumb decision away from stupid. Just one. Holy Spirit will encourage us 
and give us strength when we're afraid. Draws us into the presence of God. The Holy Spirit will help us deal with our fears. The Holy Spirit will give us the spiritual strength to overcome. Holy Spirit will lead us to people who will speak into our lives. It's beautiful. I'm telling you, you but I've got no one. Just begin to pray. Lord, would you, would you bring some people into my life? Lord, I'm struggling to make friends. Would you help me, Lord God? And then be proactive. Be proud. Don't just sit there. Be proactive. Don't just wait for a text. Oh, I've got a new friend. Oh, that's beautiful. Along with the other million that I've got. You know, I mean, I'm talking about a real friend, a friend with flesh and blood. You know, when friends are a gift from God. And the Holy Spirit will give you hope where there's no hope. The greatest thing that you can do for your life is develop intimacy with God, which is our primary purpose in life. Press into God, love God, seek after God, love the word of God, love the house of God. Don't just attend, be planted in the house of God. That he who began a good work in you shall carry it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That he who has started a good work in you shall bring it to pass, to completion, until the day of Jesus Christ, so that you can be the Elijah generation, so you can be everything that God has called you to be. There's a consensus among Christians today that we're living in the last days. And one of the things the Bible says will happen in the last days, listen really carefully, is Elijah will return. The Old Testament finishes with these words. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, the Lord arrives. He's preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and their hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Go to, go to the book of Revelation. You'll see Elijah comes up again, even in the book of Revelation. Now, I don't know if it's a literal Elijah. You're going to have to speak to the Revelation experts. There's a few out there, and I'm sure there is. They'll tell you if it's a literal Elijah or just the spirit of Elijah. But I, I, I believe that in the last days... The spirit of Elijah will be on the generation that precedes the coming of Christ. Who knows this could be that generation? Who knows this could be that generation? And young people, I want to just speak to the young people, and this is for all of us, so please, let's take it, but especially the young people. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You need to make a decision in your heart and in your spirit. Are you going to flirt with the enemy? Compromise your faith? Argue about things that have no bearing on your spiritual life at all? Is it okay to go there? Is it okay to do this? Is it okay to... Try and live as close to the line as you, you possibly can and scrape into heaven. Oh, you know, Pastor Joe, if I just, is this okay if I still, could I still get into heaven? What, what, what a terrible reason to exist. My mission in life is to scrape into heaven. Gee, that's a powerful vision for life, isn't it? Alternatively, you can get a vision of what God wants to do with your life. Get a vision of what it means to be an Elijah generation. Get a vision of the fact that God has created you, that you are not an accident that you're here by divine appointment, that you could have been born in any other country, in any other place, in any other whatever. And you, you could have been anywhere right now. This morning, you could have been anywhere, but you are here. 
And who knows that God has not brought you here for such a time as this. Get a vision of what God wants you to do and be and make a decision to press into God. The Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. What enables me to save for the house is I get a vision for the house, as in to buy a house. I get a vision of it. And that, that, that causes me to discipline. If I get a vision for a holiday, and I know it's going to cost X amount of dollars, it allows me to, dis- I'm, I'm happy to do the work because I've got a, I've got a picture. But it, if we could get a picture of what it means to be an Elijah generation, It'll cause us to say, I don't want to do any of that. Uh, you, you, know, you know, athletes, we, we, we got the Olympics right now. You know, you know what enables them to discipline week after week and, 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 and so on and so on and diet and no ice cream, thanks. I'm going to skip the ice cream. Because they get a picture of standing on that podium, receiving the gold medal. I, I, I pray, listen carefully. I pray that we would get a picture of what it means to be an Elijah generation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that looks like? Can you see what that looks like? Where God uses you in a powerful way. Where God uses you in an amazing way. Where God does things through you that you're going to look at it and go, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Get a picture of that. And then seek after it. It's not going to be easy because the enemy's going to throw everything at you. The day you decide, that's it. I'm, I'm going to seek after God. I, the the enemy is going to throw everything at you. Your friends will ridicule you. They'll say, oh, here he goes. He's being super spit. Maybe you need to super spit. Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is Lord. For the, for the eyes of the Lord, he's looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking for an, an Isaiah who's going to say, here am I, send me. Oh, come on, church. God is looking for a Josiah who purposed in his heart to serve God. God is looking for a Daniel who made a decision not to compromise on his conviction. No, I'm not doing it. God is looking for a Deborah that will lead the people of God. And by the grace of God and for the glory of God, I pray that that would be you and me. Can I hear an amen? Come on, church. Why couldn't that be us collectively as the church of Jesus Christ?